Good morning. How is everyone today? Good, 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 good. May I tell you a story? Are you sitting comfortably? Then I shall begin. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. So no, sorry, wrong story. That's Star Wars. I'm not telling you. It's not Star Wars today. A long time ago, in a land far, far away, a land called Us, there lived a man called Job. And Job wasn't just your average Joe or your average Job. He was a pretty special guy. He was an excellent businessman, so much so that he accrued 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 pairs of oxen, 500 donkeys, and he needed a lot of land and property to graze all his wealth and all his business that he's acquired. He was also incredibly influential. In fact, it's written that he was considered by all people to be the greatest person amongst all the people of the East. Not just in us, but all the people of the East. So think uh, the wealth and the business acumen of an Alan Sugar or a Richard Branson combined with the political influence and the prestige and honor of a monarch or a head of state, a president. This guy was the daddy. He was a top dog. And he was a daddy as well. He had seven sons and he had three daughters. And he was a really, really good dad. You know how some parents are so, they so want to look after their children that they wait up till two in the morning and they drive out and pick them up from the nightclub. Has anyone done any nightclub runs here? Yeah, a few hands going up. Yep. Just to check they're safe. Well, Job, he went one step further. He brought the nightclub to his house. He didn't go out on his camel to get his kids. He brought the nightclub home. So in his houses, he would throw these huge parties for his sons and daughters and their friends and their friends' friends. They would have the finest wine, the finest food, the best entertainment. They probably had Coldplay playing and all the big names. And do you know what he'd do? The morning after, when everyone was sleeping off the um, celebrations from the night before, Job would get up early and go and pray. He would be with God and he would pray to God. And he would offer sacrifices to God on behalf of his children. Just in case, he thought, just in case one of them did something they might regret this morning, last night. Or just in case they were a bit arrogant and they cursed God or they said something against God. He would offer sacrifices for his children. Job was a seriously good man. Blameless, in right standing with God. He feared God and he shunned evil. But while Job was going about his business on earth, in heaven one day, the angels were presenting themselves before God and Satan appeared with them. And God said, where have you come from? Oh, you know, going about in the earth, roaming to and fro, stealing, killing, lying, destroying, usual stuff. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless. He's in right standing with me. He fears God. He shuns evil. He's amazing. And most of all, he loves and honors me. Well, of course he loves and honors you. Look at how many camels you've given him. He doesn't love me and honor me because of the camels. He loves me because I'm his creator and he's my creature. <laughs> yeah, right. I bet if you were to strike out your hand, reach out your hand and strike some of his cattle, 
and take away what you've given him, he would curse you to your face. No, he wouldn't. And why would I want to harm my child? All right, well, let me do it. Okay, just to prove a point, I'll let you attack all that Job has, but on one condition, you do not lay a finger on the man himself. Satan, wringing his hands, leaves the presence of God. And back down on earth, Job's doing some, uh, Job is doing some admin one day in his business. It's just an average Wednesday afternoon, a bit hotter than usual. Um, and suddenly, a messenger comes rushing in and he says, Sir, sir, I'm sorry to bring bad news, but something terrible's happened. We were out in the fields, uh, the oxen were plowing, the, the donkeys were grazing, and then the Sabians came from the north, and they, they took all the oxen. They attacked us, they took the oxen, the donkeys, and they killed some of us. I'm the only one left, and I've come to tell you. And as the first messenger was still describing the disaster, a second messenger came running in, said, Sir, sir, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bear bad news, but something terrible's happened. We were out grazing the sheep in the fields, and this, like, fire lightning stuff came down from heaven and hit the sheep, and the sheep are dead, and all, all our, my colleagues are dead. I'm the only one who survived. I've come to tell you. And even as the second messenger was describing the disaster, a third messenger comes running in and says, Sir, sir, I'm sorry to bring you bad news. Something terrible's happened. We were out with the camels and, and the Chaldeans came from, from the west and they attacked us with the sword and they killed a load of us and they took all the camels as well. And I'm the only one left. And I've come to tell you I'm sorry. And even as the third messenger was describing the disaster, a fourth messenger comes rushing in. Sir, sir, I'm sorry. Oops. I'm sorry to bring you bad news. But something terrible's happened. I was at your eldest son's house. We were just having a party, but a desert storm came in. I've never seen one like that before. It, it, it hit the house. Every corner, every wall was smashed. And, and we were buried under the rubble. I just managed to get out alive. But, sir, your children are all dead. Job is in shock. He tears his clothes he starts to tear his hair out. He shaves his head in his grief. He doesn't know what to do. But he falls to his knees in worship. And he says, I came into this world naked. I'm going to leave this world naked. God gave. And God has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in his deepest point of suffering, not once does Job sin by cursing God. So as Job is grieving back up in heaven, the angels present themselves before God. And Satan comes with them. And the Lord says, where have you come from? Oh, you know, roaming to and fro in the earth, stealing, cheating, lying, killing, usual stuff. Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him. He's blameless. He's in right standing with me. He fears God. He shuns evil. And he still maintained his integrity, even though you incited me to allow you to harm him. 
skin for skin. A man will give all he has to protect his own life. I bet if you reached out your hand and struck the man himself with an illness, he would turn around and curse you to your face. No, he wouldn't. Not Job. And I don't want to harm a child of mine who's innocent. Okay, I'll do it. Okay, just to prove a point, I will allow you access to Job's health. You can harm his health, but do not take his life. Satan leaves God's presence, wringing his hands. And as Job is sitting amongst the ashes and the rubble of his dead son's house, Satan comes and attacks his body. It starts with an itch. And an itch becomes scratch. And one scratch becomes two scratches. And eventually, scratching all over, he can't get rid of it. It's like there's something toxic inside him that's trying to get out. And as he scratches away, he breaks the skin. And sores appear, bleeding, and and there's pus coming out. Not only has he lost everything, he's now in agony. He's in agony. And as he sits among the ashes, he picks up a piece of broken pottery and starts to scratch at the sores and scratch at himself. He starts self-harming. And like a lot of people today that self-harm, and a lot of young people, by the way, Job begins self-harming because... He has suffered greatly in a way beyond his control and that he didn't choose. And the only way he can express his pain and suffering is by taking it out on himself. At least he's in control. Isn't it true that when we suffer, sometimes the first person we blame is ourselves? We inflict wounds on ourselves when we suffer. We think of all the things we should have done, could have done, or didn't do. And I wonder how many of you today are still carrying self-inflicted wounds that need God's healing touch. So Job is sitting amongst the rubble, and his wife comes along, and surely his wife is going to be loving and comforting and supportive, isn't she? She says... Are you still keeping your integrity after all this? Just curse God and and die. Just finish this. Job looks up at her in disbelief. Are you joking? You're talking like a foolish, mad woman. Can we accept the good from God and not the bad? And in all this, Not once did Job sin by cursing God or blaming God. Away from me, woman. Just leave me alone. And his wife leaves. And isn't it often the case when we're suffering, the closest relationships to us suffer too. It's the closest relationships to us, the ones that should show us the most grace and that we should show the most grace that get strained and torn and broken. And I wonder how many of you today still have areas in your close relationships with others, friends, family, 
that are a bit broken, that are still carrying wounds of the past. Maybe there's someone today that you need to forgive. Maybe there's someone today that needs to forgive you and you need to ask for that forgiveness. So Job is in shock. He's lost everything. His wife deserted him. He's isolated and alone. But he still hasn't cursed God. And three of his friends hear about his ordeal and they, they travel and they journey to be with him. And they, they sit there with him for a, a week, which is a long time to sit. And, and they sit there for a week in silence, which is even harder. I mean, Danny went on a silent retreat, but I don't think even like the most disciplined person could stay silent for a whole week with someone else just being silent. But eventually, Joe breaks this silence. And suddenly, all this pain and anger that Job has just kept inside or tried to inflict on himself, it comes spewing out. And he says, curse the day of my birth. Curse my life, what it's become. Curse my suffering. Curse this area. Curse the day that I was brought into this world. But not once does Job sin by cursing God. And after he's finished pouring out his heart to his friends, Eliphaz pipes up and tries to offer some solace, but he gets it all wrong. He says to Job, look, Job, mate, I know you're a really good guy. And I know you say you haven't sinned, but think about it. Like, bad stuff doesn't really happen to good people. You know, what goes around comes around, all that stuff. Bad stuff just doesn't happen to good people, does it? So maybe, you sure you haven't done even like a little tiny sin that you may be forgotten about? And as a comforter, by the way, that is about as helpful as you phoning an IT specialist to come round to your house and then coming out having a good look at your broken computer, giving a little tap on the side. Have you um, tried turning it off and on again? That's the moral equivalent here. Are you sure you haven't sinned? Cause... And you know, his friends go round and round in circles with him. They chat, they argue to and fro, and they don't seem to get anywhere. There's a reason that they made a name for themselves. And we still have that phrase, don't we? Job's comforters. Because they were rubbish. And the reason they were so rubbish at comforting is because, fundamentally, they were trying to answer the question that every human being asks, but no human being can fully answer. Why? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why, if God is good, does he let bad things happen? Does he let disaster happen, war happen? Why do children get killed by terrorist bombs? Why are people dying every day because of things that we can sort out? Clean water, mosquito nets. This is ridiculous. Why, why, why? Every single one of us asks that question, some more than others. And certainly when we're suffering, we ask it a lot. Job never finds out why. And I've got some bad news for you today. You may never find out why. 
but. And with God, there's always a but. There's always an epilogue. God restores and God redeems and God does what only God can do and gives Job back double what he had before. Double the camels, double the sheep. He has more children and he honors Job. Before his friends, before his family, he honors Job. And the second part of his life after the suffering is even better and more abundant and joyful than the first part of his life. And at the end of the story, it says, Job died old and full of years. I love that phrase, full of years. And that doesn't mean that everything went well. Full of years means years when things were really tough and hard. It was full of years. And he died a godly man who not once cursed God. And when we ask why, sometimes we blame ourselves, sometimes we blame others, and sometimes we blame God. But why isn't the question we should be asking? The question we should be asking is what? What is our response to suffering? Does suffering and pain draw us closer to God or drive us farther away? It really is that simple. So I'm going to be available to pray over in the chancel if anyone would like to receive prayer. I'd just like to leave you with those three questions. Are there wounds in your life from the past or even the present where you've blamed yourself and hurt yourself? Where you've blamed others and hurt others or they've blamed and hurt you? Or where you've blamed God? Because today Jesus wants to bring you healing and wants to bring forgiveness and reconciliation into your life. Consider God's servant Job. There is no one on earth like him. Amen.